You're listening to Up to the Mic. If you want to learn about the struggles and triumphs of starting a business, performing for sold-out arenas, or inspiring those you lead, Up to the Mic is the show for you. Throw on some headphones and get ready to listen as our host, Vinny Hale, sits down to showcase the stories of those who deserve their stories be told. From young entrepreneurs to critically acclaimed musicians and so much more, Vinny helps compile a season of interviews that inspire listeners to follow in the footsteps of his guest. Welcome back to another episode of Up to the Mic. If you are loving the show, please do us a favor by subscribing to the podcast on your favorite platform and leaving us a quick rating and review. goes a long way in helping produce more great episodes like this one. My next guest is the host of the fastest growing business, entrepreneurship, and lifestyle podcast in the world, Models of Masters. Not only that, he's the owner of Conquer Consulting and Coaching and just exited his content brand, New Earth Knowledge. He is here today to showcase his story of pain, struggle, and eventually overwhelming success. Please welcome my next guest, Michael Becker. Michael, thanks for being here today, man. Thanks for saying that, Vinny. You know, it's it's funny. I don't I don't feel successful yet. I, I'm well beyond where I was at maybe five or ten years ago. I mean, for sure. But compared to the vision that I have for the next, you know, three to five to seven years, I'm nowhere near where I want to be. But uh, it's it's great to be here, man. Thank you. Well, I appreciate that. I feel like that's how it always works, though, right? You know, everybody always feels like there's more and more to strive for, and so sometimes you gotta look up and recognize. I know you're. A, humble person. So I appreciate the, you know, what you say there, but it's okay to recognize how far you've come. But before we jump into all that it is that you've gone through and what you're up to these days, I know my listeners have heard it a thousand times, but let's take it back to the beginning. Talk to us about where you're from, what your time growing up was like, and just give us a little bit of insight into who you are. Yeah. Born and raised in the Midwest. So I grew up in Cincinnati, Ohio, uh, not out too far, like in into the farm areas of Ohio, but pretty close to the city. Um, had an upper middle class upbringing. You know, I was sort of groomed, conditioned, and and bred to go through the motions, man. And not in a mindless way, but you know, I went to a good high school, and I was always kind of told and taught, like the reason we're doing this is so that you can figure out what you're good at, so that you can go to college, get a good degree, and get a good job. And this story is cliche. I've heard it so many times, and I'm sure your listeners have as well. But um, going through that experience, and and I'm really grateful for for that because it it prepared me for a life of um, of like you said, what, whatever success is, you know, like I, I did have, I did have that context and, and an education that prepared me to be, you know, moderately successful in the world. But it, it took, it took six to seven years out in the corporate world for me following graduation from college to realize, Hey, something just doesn't feel right. This isn't what I'm here to do. This isn't what I want to be doing. And, uh, uh, that led to a really powerful awakening for me in 2018. And we can go deeper into that if you'd like, but um, really, really changed the trajectory of how I related to the world, how I saw myself within the world and my own passions and interests. So that's a, that's a quick high level overview. So you knew that you didn't have this overwhelming desire to follow the typical path and go 
exactly into a career that you had probably not been that interested in growing up, but you eventually found your way. And I know your story is probably different than some, but having gone through all of that, do you have any advice for people that might be in a somewhat similar situation in that they're stuck in a rut and they have some sort of desire to find that passion in life, but they just haven't gotten to that point yet? What are some things people can do to maybe help themselves get further along that road? Yeah. The first thing I would say is go against the grain, whatever the masses are doing, do the opposite. And I don't mean that in a bad way. Like if people are following the law that you should break the law, that's not what I'm talking about. <laughs> but in terms of, you know, passion, skill sets, uh, work, style of work, style of life, you know, uh, what, what really started to excite me you know, late into my twenties was diverting from the pack and trying things just because they were different. And if you follow the way that everybody else lives, learns studies and works, then you will live a mediocre and average life that is consistent with what the, the status quo or the average among the populace is. If you don't want that, if that doesn't excite you, like do something different, like be different. And it's scary in the beginning, but once you get over that initial hump, you start to carve out your own unique space. And for me, I created a niche and a, a brand that I, that I spun off of that. And I, it was like, I accessed a completely new level of, of life and, um, it becomes yours and it feels so much more personal life becomes so much more exciting in that journey. And then just the second piece to that Vinny is, is like, don't listen to mentors or career guides or your parents, if they're not living the life that you want. And I say that from a place of love for all of the people that I had growing up because it led me to where I'm at now. And I had a good upbringing, but you know, I, again, I realized like, as I, as I started to wake up that are my parents living the life that I want to live when I'm in my sixties, are they, where are they doing the things that I want to be doing? No, my dad just retired at 65. I don't want to retire and I don't want to do it when I'm 65. And so if the, if don't listen to people that aren't where you want to be. That's fair. I think one thing a lot of people probably struggle with, and I'm kind of going off par with whatever we were going to talk about, but it yeah. brought to mind the problem of trying to find a mentor. I always run into this problem or this challenge of, I feel like I am put behind other people that are further along the road than me. And I feel like they got there because they had someone just walk them through it, hold their hand and just walk them to where they've gotten today. And then you hear all these, you know, self-proclaimed self-help gurus online talk to you about, well, I'm just going to go. And I gave so-and-so this millionaire, this billionaire, I asked him how much he made in 30 minutes. And he told me he made 25 grand. So I paid him 25 grand and he taught me everything I needed to know about living a successful life in 30 minutes. And I just kind of call BS on a lot of it. And I think that it's a struggle for people that maybe don't have that person in their life that can just hold their hand and walk them through it. And so they rely on people with podcasts and books and other ways to find a mentor or make a mentor out of people that have gone before them when they don't necessarily have that person in their life. So it's hard to kind of pull yourselves up by your bootstraps like you kind of mentioned there. So I don't know. That's where my thought went when you mentioned some of the uh, words you just did. So, Well, what I, what I found to be true for me, Vinny, is it, that, that saying, 
that when the student is ready, the teacher will appear. And it's almost as though we get to a place in collecting so much information and knowledge within our own, our own consciousness that all we have to do is as much as we can do on our own and in solitude or with the experiences that we do have and at the right threshold, it's almost like we activate the attraction of those people, of those right mentors into our life. And I firmly believe in that, you know, law of attraction and all of that um, is, is foundational to, to who I've become today. And because I've seen it, I've seen it happen in my life. So. Well, Hey, speaking of your life and getting back to kind of your journey, I know you went to uh, Butler university, correct. And then yep. while you were there and even thereafter growing into the person you are today, there were a few pivotal moments in your life that have helped shape who you become and that kind of defined you. Can you talk a little bit more about maybe your time in college and then a few bumps or struggles along the road that have eventually helped you grow into who you are? Yeah, the first thing is is immediately upon arriving on campus, you know, I was kind of thrown into this basement uh, room. It was dungy. It was, you know, very, very uh, close quarters. I felt claustrophobic. I was living with three other guys in a room that was probably too big for two people. And so uh, to have four freshman guys in there was, it was like a jolt. And it was a mini awakening in, in and of itself because I learned so much about myself in the three or four weeks that I was there. I ended up, it ended up be, uh, becoming so bad that I had to, I, I was either going to leave because I couldn't sleep, I couldn't study, I couldn't focus, or I was going to need to find somewhere else to live. And, and it was like a miracle after about a month uh, there, I ended up getting my own uh, single, single room and I, I think that that saved that like saved my my freshman year man or else I, I don't think I could have done it and so through that experience though what I learned about myself was was just so many things I learned how important sleep and rest and recovery was for me because it was disrupted and because I was basically sleep deprived you know these guys were coming and going Tuesday Wednesday Thursday night just um, at all hours of the day, no respect, you know, people are touching your stuff, moving yourself around. And for me, for some people that's okay, but I learned how important organization and, um, having my space and being respected, uh, was to me. And I didn't know that because I didn't have the, I didn't have the contrast or the context prior to that experience. So that was, that was kind of crazy, but uh, an important, an important moment for me in, in my college journey and in my evolution. Uh, I studied journalism and communications in school, and I always loved writing. I thought I was going to be a journalist coming out and uh, ended up, ended up uh, taking a marketing internship that, that turned into a, a full-time gig. Um, and just, you know, in the, the last couple years of school and going into that, you know, what I learned is that we, we spend so much time trying to find our passion and, and our purpose and um, ultimately choosing this path that we think we're going to follow. And you just almost never do. You almost never do. Life is always going to throw you a curveball. And the real test is, are you willing to take those pivots and are you willing and able to learn through them 
to ultimately push through those barriers and figure out what your real truth is and why you're really here. And I'm only in the, the beginning stages of, of doing that. So that's a, that's a quick uh, high level for you, Vinny. No, I mean, I completely understand the struggles with going off to a new location and being thrown into a new world of college. Luckily, you know, my time in university, I had plenty of people around me that I had known before. And so that made my transition a lot easier, but I can only imagine being thrown into this basement like room and with three complete strangers and then having to basically fend for yourself, living on your own for the first time after coming from a, what seemed to be, you know, pretty great background. And then from there, you're just kind of lost and it's a new world for you. Um, when you're transitioning into that new world and you're kind of learning to live as an adult on your own, a lot of times people end up falling victim to certain different guilty pleasures in their life. Were there any times where that might've been the case for you and where you had to really focus and choose to overcome certain pitfalls? So I didn't have a car my first year on campus and that was different and difficult. Um, I had an assignment that I had to do for one of my classes that required I drive to different neighborhoods to interview people as, as part of this journalism um, project. And I didn't have a car and I don't think Uber, yeah, Uber wasn't, wasn't around then. And that was one thing that's now trivial and probably sounds menial, but when I was in it, you know, it caused a lot of anxiety and stress. And I realized, Hey, everything's not just going to be handed to you on a silver platter in life anymore. Sometimes you're going to be forced to fend for yourself. And I didn't want to, like, I wanted, I wanted to, to, to be bailed out by life. I wanted these people to come in to meet me or come pick me up. And, and it hit me. And I was like, wait a second. No, like this is life. You know, like sometimes you just got to figure it out for yourself. Um, regardless of how you feel, you need to be willing to do what's required. And so I had to figure it out, you know, I ended up figuring out how to get a ride there. Or I think I may have even rented a car here and there to go do those things. And, um, might've even taken a taxi at some point. So that's, that's just, you know, yeah, that's, that's like a quick example. That's just being, being a type of person who does whatever it takes to, to get the job done, which I admire, you know, doing what you can. That was the first time in my life I had to think that way. I never thought that way before. (laughs) Well, you ended up taking a transition where I know you said you started in a journalism role or excuse me, in a marketing role. Um, but you then worked for a startup company and from what you've told me, things didn't necessarily plan out the way that you had initially hoped that they would, which is a tough pill to swallow, especially when you go into something with a startup that has, while it's got the major risk, it's also got very high upside potentially. Um, Tell me about your experience with the startup and then eventually how that filtered into this massive awakening that you, that you had. Yeah. And this was, this was just another sort of tough chapter of my life. I had just, this was back in 2016. I was like a year and a half out into the professional world. I was going through the, the, the uh, fallout from a really difficult breakup. It was my first big breakup. Um, so I was heartbroken over that. And the majority of my attention and my energy was focused on that. And then being an immature 23 year old kid, you know, going out into the world and, 
being on dating apps, you know, going, going out every weekend to the bars and distracting myself when I should have been in retrospect, studying, learning, focusing on work, going all in. And uh, I ended up getting laid off from that job. That was my second job with a local startup. And I don't think that's the reason that I was laid off. I think they were over leveraged in marketing and had hired up too quick, but uh, that learning experience was so broad in such a short time. I was the first content hire and um, that was my first foray into startup and kind of entrepreneurship. Um, I was sort of an entrepreneur. So really had to figure out how to build up the, the content strategy from the, from the ground with no budget and how to be very grassroots with a lot of what we were working on. But um, as soon as I felt like I had gotten going, they called me in and I'll never forget this day. And they told me, you know, we've got to let you go. Um, this, this is a layoff and they apologized, but I didn't know how to take that. You know, I, that was my first time obviously being, being let go and I didn't, I didn't know what to do. And so it was, it was just a, a different, a different experience. And luckily I bounced back from that about two months later, uh, which a gift was given to me in a new role, but that also many, it led to a, uh, an awakening, uh, in terms of lifestyle and money down the line where I learned through that, like, I can't be dependent on this person on this company or anyone else with a single stream of income ever again. And so, uh, certainly contributed to my sort of awakening into, into consciousness after that. Well, one thing you mentioned there, I want to dive a little deeper into as someone with your background in marketing. Yeah. You know, a lot of people that listen to the podcast might be people that are trying to grow their own business or their own side hustle, whatever it may be, their own brand. As someone who has obviously done well for themselves in the success of your brand and your content, um, what types of, I don't know if I want to use the word tips, but what strategies do you suggest for people that are really trying to grow something from zero to uh, hero, for lack of better words, really just try and blow up the brand? I love it. Um, number <laughs> one, consistency, post every single day, uh, pretty much these, these days regardless of what platform, whether it's podcast, Instagram, TikTok, LinkedIn, wherever you're trying to build an audience, post daily. Number two, be original. And so there's two, two parts of this. A is original content. So there's so many reposts and meme pages out there. People that chop up other people's stuff, put it together and put it back out into the world. Yes, that's a step up from doing nothing at all. But if you really want to, if you're serious about building an audience and creating your personal brand, you have to do something new, original, and unique to you. And then the second piece of that is follow your passion. And so I created a new age spirituality page where my entire goal, it wasn't to make money at first. I just wanted a place to document and share my own awakening journey. And I had this flash of brilliance, like, hey, you can create your own community. You can name it this. The name came to me in an instant. And I said, okay, I'm going to do this and I'm just going to treat it as a personal blog. And so that's what I did. Um, ended up creating a, an actual blog off the back of that a few months in and just started writing and creating content around what I loved. So that would be my advice. 
And so the Instagram or the social media turned into a blog. What exactly were you writing about in these, like maybe break down the spirituality and the awakening that you had for the listeners who may not really be grasping? Yeah. So that's exactly what it was, man. I was, I, I was just sharing what was coming in and my awakening was everybody's is different. And I, I always say no two snowflakes are alike. And that's very much the case here for me. Uh, as funny as it may sound, my awakening was catalyzed by a relationship I was in at the time. And she had grown up in what she explained to me was a haunted house. And uh, I've always been fascinated by mysteries and um, the superna supernatural, um, paranormal, all of that stuff has always fascinated me, but I never thought to look deeper. And so this was a, a reason to do that. And we started looking together, diving sort of down, you know, the rabbit hole. And it led me to a place where, you know, I just wanted the truth and I wanted to understand the nature of reality and the nature of my existence. And as I started learning, reading, watching videos, even reaching out to other people to try to understand what was going on within my mind and within my body, um, I realized that I was having what was called a spiritual awakening. And so um, I took it serious. And I think that's what maybe differentiates kind of my journey from others who start down this path who they just shrug it off or they, they don't think to go deeper or to commit. It was at this critical juncture. I thought this is happening. This feels like nothing I've ever experienced before. I'm all in. And it wasn't really a hard decision. I knew I'd have to be different. I knew my friends and family might look at me differently. For me, I didn't care. I just thought this is the most important, most interesting, most amazing experience I've ever had. I felt myself literally awakening to a higher level of awareness and understanding. And I just wanted to cover it. I wanted to share it as a journalist um, with the world. And so I created my blog. And I, if you go look at some of my first my, my first um, entries back in like 2019, it was just my story. Here's what I'm going through. I went through this today and I discovered this today. And um, that turned into more of a, almost like a media publication where I then started covering specific topics and explaining my, from my vantage point, um, the truth about these different, these different areas related to uh, reality and, and to the universe. That's some pretty deep stuff right there. And yeah. I, you know, I encourage people to go check it out. Um, if you haven't already, uh, we'll link your description to the website and everything in the bio, uh, or the show notes, but I want to transition a little bit and talk more about, I'm not sure if this is, I know we spoke beforehand and you told me a little bit of your story. A portion of that was when you talked about, um, you had moved to Texas, but you traveled for a while with a girlfriend yeah. at the time before that. Um, and then eventually you ended up in Arizona where you are now. Tell me yes. that story again and share that with the listeners about how you traveled around and then what brought you to Texas and all of the like. Yeah. You're down in Texas as well, correct? I am. Yeah. Located in yeah. Dallas. Okay. Yeah. I, I love Texas. And so, yeah, that's a, that's a good segue, I think, because after a couple of years sort of following that path that I just described along the awakening you know, I felt an urge for something more, something even bigger. And it soon just became this life journey where it wasn't just about 
the spirituality or reading books or meditating and um, exploring the depths of myself, I started to want to go outward and actually explore and expand in that in that way, as opposed to just just learning. And so I, I did that. This was around the time that COVID had just happened. And so I shortly after that, I actually had to go on disability from my job. But um, that also enabled me to start working remotely, which was like a huge gift for me. At the time, that was everything I ever wanted. I started shifting my focus to lifestyle design to entrepreneurship and I read the four hour work week and other books like it. And I was like, this is, this is the next level. You know, like I just did like level 101. This is the next level. And, uh, I started, I started traveling on my own at first, just around the U S and working remotely. I was, um, going out to California for the first time actually to, to meet up with somebody at the time that didn't end up working out. And just, uh, just, just really fell in love with travel and with exploration uh, in that way and ended up coming together with my now ex who was funny enough also out in California. So um, we met and I ended up flying out there to, to meet her and we hung out for over a month out in California. And this whole time I'm working remotely and we were so incredibly aligned with our with our vision on the lifestyle that we both wanted we had had a very similar journey of awakening and so we're able to bond over that and we said hey let's get out of here like let's just be spontaneous and let's go be digital nomads together and we did it and with very little planning not a lot of foresight which in retrospect i don't know that that was the best approach but yeah, man, we, we went to, we went to Costa Rica and we went to Tulum together and we hung out down there in Central America for a few months before deciding that it was in our best interest to come back. And, uh, I'm glossing over a lot of this at a very high level, but ended up settling down in the outskirts of Austin. It wasn't Austin. I thought we were moving to Austin. It wasn't Austin. It was like an hour outside of the city in this dinky little sub subsection of a neighborhood uh, that did not feel the way that I thought it would feel and did not excite me in the way I was hoping. And um, I also learned through that process that I'm just, I don't want to be domesticated. And I, uh, that might sound bad to, to some listeners, but that's, that's the truth of what I discovered. I didn't want to settle down. I wanted more of more of the freedom and more of the ability to, to travel and, and to move, you know, the way that I wanted to. And so how did you end up making the decision to go from Austin, Texas or outskirts of Austin, Texas to eventually Arizona? And does Arizona offer you what you see as the ability to pick up and leave whenever you want? Does it give you the ability to explore within everything that, um, I'm not sure if it's Phoenix or where exactly you are, but where Arizona has to offer, like, do you feel like you are fulfilled with that exploration and that spirit that you have by living in Arizona? Or is this kind of the place for now? And we'll see where it takes you here in the future. 
Yeah, it's very much the latter. I My lease is up here in, in about a month. I don't know if I'll be staying or not, but I moved out here because I wanted a fresh start and we had broken up back in March of last year. I went home to Ohio to regroup and realized that I did not want to stay in the Midwest one day longer than I had to. And so really started putting stuff back together. I had to buy a new car because I had sold a lot of my possessions prior to our travels in Central America. And so was scrambling a little bit, not expecting to have broken up, but all of that happening fairly quickly, kind of needing to put things together for myself. And I just thought I need to get out of here. Where do I want to go? I had it narrowed down to three areas of the country, um, Florida here or California and Miami and LA were a little too expensive. And so I thought Phoenix is like the perfect, the perfect spot for me right now. So I packed up my car and I drove out here with one goal and one goal only. And that was to create an incubator for myself where I could focus exclusively on entrepreneurship, on personal development and on growth. And that's exactly what I've done here. I co-founded a brand new venture with a partner a few months ago after working for a few months on, on coaching and a couple of other business ventures that I realized were going to be nothing more than side hustles. Um, and so I'm, I'm really focused on, on that now and I don't know where I'll end up, but, um, yeah. So one thing I'm always curious about when listening to these stories of entrepreneurs and how they end up growing into who they are is all the while how you're supporting yourself along the way. So are you working a full-time job throughout all of these different life transitions? And if so, are you bringing in money from your awakening blog at the same time? Is it still not really making any income for you yet? Do you have other side income that you're making that, um, was helping you kind of supplement all the transitions and the moves to different places, or I guess just break it down. Where, how were you surviving? What were you getting income from? Great question. When I moved out here, I was still remote with the company that I mentioned um, that I had started re working remote with back during COVID. I was offered a new position back in November and was laid off for the second time in my life from that, uh, from that position back in January. I'll be honest with you and with your listeners since then I've been scrambling a little bit and have been working on a couple of those side, those side hustles that I mentioned. I've been driving for DoorDash a little bit here and there. I've been, I've been using Airbnb for my loft here in, in downtown Phoenix to make a couple of bucks and have been working with a couple of clients along the way. And so that's those kind of those different, those different things have been my source of income since then. And I'm in an interesting position now where I actually have a couple of assets that I invested in specifically a Amazon store that was one of those done for you automated, you know, Amazon store uh, projects. And I thought, let me go in, let me go in on this back. This is back in 2021 for this very reason of, I don't want to be reliant on a single income stream. And I wanted to create other forms of cash flow for myself, but I'm in this phase right now where it hasn't caught up to being where I envision it. 
and we're actually suspended right now. And so it's almost like the perfect storm venue where, you know, nothing is steady right now. I'm looking for that next thing. I've got this venture I mentioned that I'm working on with, with my co-founder, but we just started that it's brand new. That's a multi-year project. And so in the short term, um, I'm in a space where I'm actually looking for, for that next gig to, to kind of carry me over. That's inspiring because it's honest. And I think that it really helps open the eyes to people and it makes you more relatable because I think a lot of times we get caught up in this sense that everyone we see on social media just was this overnight success. Oh yeah. And sure. I was an overnight success because it happened yesterday, but it took me 10 years to get to that point, you know, that kind of deal. Um, and I'm not talking about me specifically. I'm talking in general. That's how it's, you know, how it typically plays out. You have a different viewpoint on success in a lot of ways. And I think one, it's inspiring to hear about your journey with entre entrepreneurship and how just brutally honest you are and how you just shared what you're up to these days. But you mentioned to me um, prior to us recording about how the majority of what determines your success is what you do when you're alone, not mm -hmm. necessarily what you do when you're out in front of clients or when you're working on the big high pick, you know, the sexy part of the business. Um, it's what you do behind closed doors when you're sitting there in front of your laptop or your computer screens and you're really needing to iron out the details and do the, the work that no one wants to do. Maybe go into that a little bit more and explain where that, where that stems from. Yeah, I couldn't, I couldn't have put it any better. I think that uh, to your point, a lot of people see the overnight success, right? They see the, the, the shininess, they see the flair, they see the social media videos and they see the client results that people are throwing all over the place on their stories and all of this. And I fell victim to that too. And following people and seeing those things and, and thinking to myself, you know, it'll take work, but I can, I can have that too. And then, you know, I even invested in a course a while back where there was, there was this promise of you'll achieve X, Y, Z in 90 days. And, and, uh, I was like, I was like, yes, I'm all for it. And that was a, that was a wake up call for me. Uh, and that's probably a different can of worms, but the, the point is I would say 90% of what contributes to the ability to create those results, to have the hundred thousand people following, uh, of organic followers, or even for me, the 60,000 people that followed my page over the, over the last three and a half years the what you see on the screen and what you what you read what you consume what entices you and what draws you in is only the tip of the iceberg because what's behind that is the time and the planning and the creation that the entrepreneur or the creator had to put in and all of that is entirely dependent upon their ability to manage themselves to manage their time to ultimately sit down and get real work done. And today, Vinny, and I'm sure you can relate to this, so much of our professional life is spent looking through emails, responding to emails, getting on Zoom calls, getting off calls and realigning ourselves to try to get into flow state again. And at the end of the day, and I'll say this, none of, none of that bullshit matters, not nearly as much as the person sitting down to execute on a plan and injecting creativity 
and focus into getting something of real meaning and real value done. And so um, I'll get off of my, my, my tangent now, but uh, yeah, you're right. I feel really strongly about that. I'll tell you this. You said execute. Execution is where 99% of people fail. The reason being is that they put in the time to think about what they're going to do. They put in the time to plan what they're going to do. And then when mm-hmm. it comes time, when it comes time to actually perform that action, they freeze and they don't do it because what they see is what's on social media and what's on social media is completely fake. And I mean, that's across the board. Sure. You can find a outlier here or there, but 99% of what you're going to see on social media It's just going to be degrading to you in the long run because it's going to be like this dream that you're never going to get to. And it's super demoralizing for people because they've got these goals and these dreams and they want to aspire to be like these people that are living these glorious lives on fake. And I've said it three times already, 99% of those lives that they're living on social media are fake. So they really just need to have this wake up call in their mind. And, you know, myself included that you can't sit there and compare yourself to people that are allegedly living this life that is so much grander than yours because it's just not true in the end of the day. And so people need to one realize that it's okay to be happy with what you've got. And two realize that what they're looking at isn't always as it seems. And that's especially true with our day and age in social media with all of AI that's coming out and all the deep fakes that can occur. I don't want to go off into this whole AI tangent, but there's so much that, there's more to it than meets the eye. And I hate for young people specifically that are probably listening to this podcast and even people like ourselves to get caught up in the mix of falling victim to this trap that there's just, we're so far behind in life. And the, the, the true case is that we're not, and we're doing fine. And everybody just needs to come to that realization with themselves and stop comparing to themselves, stop comparing themselves to people on social media. So I, I'm off my soapbox now, but when you said it, it struck a chord with me because that's something that I see time and time again. Right. Can, can I throw a quick, a quick, just a quick cap on that? Um, yeah, go for one it. Of, one of the ways that I have, have, I guess, coped with, but really tried to, I guess, contextualize a lot of what I was seeing and in a few cases succumbing to with uh, investing in a lot of these five to $7,000 coaches and courses over the last few years. And it's probably done that, you know, three or four times. And there was always value. There's always value in going to those communities and masterminds and working with coaches. If you have the right perspective, and if you do not expect for your entire world to change by doing so, and that was my mistake. And the most that you will ever get, and I guess this is from my personal you know, experience, the most you'll ever get from hiring a coach or going into a program, and I say this as a coach, is maybe to the next rung, just the next step along your journey of where you're at. And we can't expect to sign up for something. And within 90 days, we're going to go from $0 to $50,000 a month. It's not going to happen unless you're already at 30,000 and you're just, you need that one little unlock where you have a very specific, you know, thing that you need to do. And this person can help you get there. It's, it's embellishment. It's, it's, it's not real. It's not true. And it's just, it's important for us to, to realize that before investing a substantial amount of money into into something 
and I'm all for it. I'm all for investing in self and, and self-learning and knowledge, but you don't need it. You don't need it. You can learn probably more by doing yourself, by reading and by testing than, than anything else. It reminds me of, have you ever seen Goodwill Hunting? Yeah. I love the it. old Matt Damon. Yeah. So, uh, Ben Affleck, Matt Damon, the whole crew. So, um, in Goodwill Hunting, I'll probably butcher the quote, but it's something along the lines of, you know, Matt Damon's there at the bar arguing with the Harvard guy and, uh, the Harvard guy kind of gets schooled by Matt Damon and Matt Damon's like, yeah, one day you're going to realize that you spent $150,000 on an education that you could have got for a buck 50 in late charges from the public library. And yeah. so it's just like, you know, you can do it yourself. It's all about what you said earlier, how far you succeed or, or excuse me, how much you succeed, how far you go. Um, it's really just 90% of how much you're willing. I'm butchering your quote, but your willingness to go further than others is 90% of being able to succeed. I think that's somewhat along the lines of what you said, but something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Hey, so on the route of success, um, and kind of everything you're talking about being able to study up, um, take these courses, et cetera. Um, yeah. you have a lot of books behind you on the, if you're listening to this, um, I'm looking at the video of Michael and he's got a bookshelf in the back with what looks like a pretty solid collection. Um, do you have any recommendations for the listeners? Um, anything that's really changed you or inspired you that you've read before? I know you mentioned the four hour work week. That's personally not one that I've read yet, but I've heard plenty of good things about it. So I probably need to need to dive in. Um, but anything else you'd recommend to the listeners? Oh, that's a classic, man. Um, yeah, I mean, there's so many. I think it depends also on what you're wanting to learn uh, and upskill around. Let's see, a couple of my favorites. Number one, The Compound Effect by Darren Hardy. Number two would be The Almanac of Naval Ravikant. Uh, number three, I recommend $100 million offers, Alex Hormozzi. Um, What else? I'm tempted to get up and go look over there. There's just so many. Um, those, those are those are three that I read in the last year that have changed my life. Three is perfect. Yeah, I haven't read either of those or all three of those I haven't touched. And so I've got three more on my list now. I've started to try and um, I'm the type of person who gets so distracted when a book is not necessarily what I am desperately wanting to read at that point in time. Right. I've got so much going on with, you know, my real full-time job, which consumes a lot of time, my lovely relationship and my family, et cetera. And then the podcast, the side hustle, you know, trying to grow this and my brand, et cetera, um, which has been popping off here lately. So I appreciate all the new listeners. Um, but one thing I struggle with is that I'll open up a book and I'll read the first half of it in, you know, one night. And then I'll put it down, and for the next week I get so busy that I'm distracted mm -hmm. and I'm not able to read anymore. And then I don't want to read by the time I get to bed because I'm tired from doing something else. And so I uh, I really have to like prioritize finishing that book. The first half's easy; it's the second half that'll get to me, unless it's one that I just like can't put down. And um, every now and then those come through. But I grew up the son of an English teacher, and so reading books has always been at you know the core of something I'm interested in. Um, yeah. I just need to re refine that passion. I go through kind of phases where I'll read a ton of books over a couple week or a couple month period, and then I'll lose the the urge and I won't read for a few more months. And it's, it's, 
ebbs and flows of it, but that's just how it personally works for me. So if you're like me out there, it's okay. Don't worry. Um, you can still make it. Uh, we'll, we'll get through it together and we'll eventually finish all those half read books that are sitting on our bedside tables. <laughs> I try to read at least one or two hours a day and some, some days it fluctuates, but I, I always like to, to tell people, you know, reading is only, it's something you, you should do. I'm, I'm a believer in it because I, I learn and I've, I do it myself, but it's only ever going to be half the equation. You do have to take what you learn and you have to apply it and you have to integrate it. And you, you should never feel compelled to read uh, to, to, to Benny's point. Like if you feel compelled to do it, then don't do it. You should only read when you can't put the book down. And I'm a big proponent of buying books and using them as reference material. So if there's something that you want to learn, some kind of appointed skill or perspective, leverage books to do that, but don't feel like you have to sit there and be a prisoner to having to read the entire book. If you don't want to, I'm reading 30 books right now, but I'm, I'm, I'm going through them to learn key things or, or just unlock those, those shifts in perspective. So that's how I look at reading. That is a good way to think about it. Um, it kind of helps me feel better about the fact that I only read bits and pieces of certain ones. And some books are built for just that, to choose the portions or the chapters of it that are most prevalent to you. So definitely understand the sentiment there. I want to transition with the last few minutes here and talk about the future. We've talked about what you were like growing up, what your time was um, in college, what you did since then, and how you've had these awakenings in your life and these transitions that you've gone through. And now I want to know what you're looking forward to in the future. What are your goals for next week, next year, next 10 years? You know, like however you look at your goals in the spectrum, what are you looking forward to? Yeah, man. Again, I'm going to be so transparent with you on this. And I've come 180 degrees from where I was two years ago. And I was talking about and posting about entrepreneurship nonstop. And I was even in my coaching business at a place where I was – I was making claims and offers that I wasn't personally doing in my own life. And I wasn't, I was not high on, uh, on, on, you know, full-time work or, you know, W2 jobs, but I've come full circle on that because I've been humbled by life and I'm coming off of a somewhat high paying job with my last role. And my number one order of business is to get, you know, find a new role that is is also a high paying job um, i know my market value and that i'm able to do that and i think that's that would be my advice to everyone like upskill yourself and continue just to get better and better and better jobs even if your goal is entrepreneurship full-time even if you don't want to be working a full-time job as Vinny and i have been discussing this entire episode like you have to use what you have to get what you want and you have to be willing to put in some time some effort and go through that process of figuring out who you are and doing that and so for me i'm looking to get you know a high paying job that i can just leverage and and stack skills and stack cash and if i'm able to get to where i want with that i'll be able to buy uh one duplex every two months with my new, uh, my, a coach that I'm working with also happens to be my mortgage lender. And so I literally have this whole thing like mapped out in my mind of how it's going to work. But, 
um, with the salary that I want, I should be able to do that. And that's my immediate goal. And so that I don't have to think about being in survival mode anymore because there, you can't, that's not a free thinking place to be working from, you know, you, and so if I can cover that, then, then I can move on to taking my time and building out my portfolio, building out my courses, building out my coaching business. And so that's my goal for the future. Awesome. Well, I think it's cool to hear how, like I said earlier, how brutally honest you are and how you have come full circle from what you used to believe. And now what you're doing doesn't necessarily have to be what you do forever. And I heard a good quote the other day and it was uh, a gentleman talking more so about, you know, don't leave a job just because you may be unhappy. That job could be a means to an end. And exactly. if it's, it's completely okay if it is. And if you love your job, stick with it. Be in that job for the long haul. Like it is a great and fulfilling thing to have a good career at a company that you enjoy working for. And then if it's not, at least do it for the time being so that you're able to pursue um, whatever it is that you might want down the road. And so I think it's inspiring to hear that people are actually there putting it into action. Um, I love my, my regular job. I get to help businesses and you know, nothing I say on the podcast as a disclaimer has anything or any relation to my full-time job, but I do love what I do as a consultant. It's great work and it's fun. Um, but Hey, back to you, you know, I, I know we're kind of closing out here, but I don't want to leave anything open-ended. Is there anything that you were hoping I would have asked you or given you the chance to share that maybe I didn't? And if so, please use this time to, to share. I think just one, one more thing that I would, would add in is sort of around the, a lot of the hype and the claims that we were alluding to across social media over the last couple of years, obviously the coaching niche has exploded and I think with that, we, along with a, uh, a, a very warranted recontextualizing process of expectations for us as students or um, clients hiring coaches, I also think as entrepreneurs and business people, we also need to understand how the market is moving with, with regard to, to marketing and to selling. And, you know, there there are different ways to capture attention, to build audience and to uh, enroll people or sell people on your offers. But for me, I have been bred over my entire career and had success as a content marketer. And so I'm a huge fan of, of, of creating, like I said, original content, um, putting that out into the world and making it as value-based as possible, separate and discreet from the products and services that you offer. If you can commit to doing that for a year or two, whether it's through podcasting like Vinny and I do, whether it's through Instagram or TikTok or blog or an email newsletter and just provide value, you prove that you are who you say you are and you will gain infinitely more trust by doing that than needing to sell somebody. Then when it becomes time that people start coming to you and asking you to help them or asking you what you sell or what you have that they can get get involved in, then that's when you start bringing them into your offers. And just one final point on that for me, Vinny, where I've been most successful in the sales, the sales work that I've done with the course that I launched, I brought about 30 people into that and the one-on-one -on -one coaching work that I've done 
it's not about the hard sell. It never has been for me. That doesn't make sense intuitively for me. It's really about the three P's, priming, personalization, and then the power dynamic. And so just real quick, priming is what I just mentioned, content marketing, like get people to a place where they trust you. When people trust you, sales becomes a lot easier. You won't have to do as much pitching and in hard selling, you won't feel nervous or anxious about it. It'll just be natural. And you can approach that interaction from a personalized perspective because you actually know the person. Like if somebody's followed you for two years, you don't need to feel like, you don't need to feel weird about proposing something for them. It should be natural. And you can put together that customized conversation and package for that person based on their needs. And then the power dynamic is just not needing anything from them being able to lay it out there on the table. Here's what I can do. Here's what we can do together. And here's the value you're going to get from this. Do you want to sign up or not? And it can be really that, that simple. I think that's the future of sales. And uh, so just wanted to throw that in and um, share that with, with everybody. Absolutely. I appreciate you sharing. Not only that, but I appreciate you sharing everything today. This was a great conversation. Fantastic episode. I think the listeners are going to get a lot of value from what you had to say and your honesty and your vulnerability to share what you did with the listeners. So I really appreciate that. Michael, if people want to learn more about you and your work, where would we point them to? Where do you want people to go um, follow you or, or check out your website? Where, where should they go? Yeah, you can connect with me on Instagram at work with Michael or on LinkedIn. You can just type in my name, Michael Becker. Awesome. Well, I will tag those in the show notes, but thanks for listening, everyone. As always, if you want to find out more about Michael and I's conversation, go take a look at my feature story of Michael on my website, vinnyhale.com, and don't forget to follow me on Instagram at Vinny under Let's go. Yeah. I'm like an addict. Do I gotta have it? I ain't even playing. Got a really bad habit. If it moves, gotta grab it. Fuse like a magnet. Lose won't have it till I'm doomed in a cap.